This Lcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he likes to whistle while he, while he works. Mostly because that's the best way to carry a tune. Welcome, Jacob. Jeez. I'll pay for that later. <laughs> yes. Revenge is mine. Ouch, that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just jacking with oh, you. Of course, of course. Why, thank you. Let me introduce our co host, a man who got back to his house and realized there's a fair maiden in his bed. And he's perplexed what's going on. Welcome, Drew. <laughs> So yeah, now I'm I'm a little worried because you know I am a Christian, single male. Right. You got yeah, a lot and, of places. Apparently, there's a woman on my bed. And I'm going. Something about this isn't right. <laughs> I'm gonna bit. get in trouble. <laughs> I don't know who this woman is. Thank goodness this is fictional. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We're all night. All right. <laughs> So yeah, we're tonight we're gonna be reviewing the very first full-length featured animated movie, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I had not seen it before this viewing. How much of a of an animation nerd have I just shown I'm not? <laughs> that I had never watched the original full-length motion picture. The the, the, the the move the, the movie that built Disney yes. literally literally that literally started an empire. Uh, gave them, it, an empire. It, it allowed them to actually build their animation studio. Yes, I don't know where they were animating this before this point, but not at the not at the animation studio they built later. No, no, because literally the dwarves are holding up the pillars. Yeah. At the Walt Disney Animation Studio. Yes. You don't believe me? Go check out the last episode of She-Hulk, where she breaks the fourth wall and has and walks through the Disney lot, walking right past the Seven Dwarves to go talk to Kevin. Kevin. Oh my gosh. I, I have heard, other I've, issues with that I've, thing. I have heard of this episode. I've not seen it. It's garbage. That's what I hear. Because here's the thing: I love fourth wall breaks. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. This was not a good fourth wall break. Hmm. Because it's sort of like, oh, all this stuff that is obviously, you know, they're referencing like the fact that, oh, we don't know when the X-Men are showing up. What, what, why is all this weird stuff going on? It's all the stuff that we are asking in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. Not what might be a general thought process for someone watching this, going through this stuff later. Yeah. A lot of stuff that's, anyway. Yeah. Annoying stuff. I'm just I... half surprised they didn't mention anything about Fox. Hmm. That is so. Just just before we get started, be like I do have a slight head uh, cold, so I might sneeze or cough, and my moisture is going to be a little lower tonight. So apologies in advance. You could do the those uh, movie trailer announcements in a world ripped apart by war. <laughs> One man. I don't know. <laughs> Knowing me, I would take probably like forty takes because I'll blow the line like every time. <laughs> it's like, wait, how do you say cat? <laughs> cat you're in ace texas so you gotta you gotta hold the a out about five syllables cat cat 
Catawawa. Anywho. Uh, you ready to jump into yes. our spoiler-free session? Yes, 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 yes. <sighs> Certified fresh and spoiler-free. So yeah, like I said, this was my first knowing... No, This is the first time I know I've watched the whole movie. Oh. And I have to say it that way because every single person who has listened to this show knows that one of my fake curse words yes, is Jiminy, Jiminy Crickets. <laughs> and I thought all this time, since I started saying that, that I stole this from Pinocchio with the thought, since I don't want to take the Lord's name in vain, there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking Jiminy Cricket's name in vain. <laughs> right? Right. I thought I was doing good. How was I supposed to know that just eight years, no, not eight years, what, four years? Four years. Four years prior to Pinocchio coming out, that they were already saying Jim, taking Jiminy Cricket's name in vain in this film. Thanks, Grumpy. <laughs> I had to have seen parts of this, I'm guessing, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, and those parts seeped into my brain. Otherwise, that's too much too big a coincidence. Yes. And I don't believe in coincidence. Providence, but not coincidence. Right. And I doubt this was a providential thing. <laughs> anyway, so I know I, I, I knew the story, of course, because everyone knows the story of Snow White and the yeah. Seven Dwarfs, or at least the bare bones of the it. Rock for the last 80 years. And plus, of course, I have played the three Kingdom Hearts levels that's based on this movie. Of course. Yeah, three. I, just, I had to stop and think because there was Birth by Sleep. <laughs> There was that that uh, thing in, in Unchained Key mm -hmm. that you you saw you came over while I was finishing it up one night. Yes, on Untangling Kingdom Hearts. I will get back to this eventually. I do have another script written. I just need to record it. And there is the five seconds you're in the uh, messed up version of it in uh, uh, da, 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 birth, uh, Kingdom Hearts zero point two Birth by Sleep, a fragmentary passage. I could not think of the whole name of that stupid game. <laughs> Anyway, so yes, I was aware of the story. I had never actually watched any of the full animation. I've got opinions. Yeah. But we'll get there when we get there. Exactly. I still think that if you are an animation nerd of any kind, definitely watch this so you can get an appreciation for uh, the very first. You watch this like you watch Toy Story. It's the first movie of its kind. Yes. So, yes. Also, fun fact, do you know what else Snow White is famous for? Uh, No, what? Being the inspiration for the art style in uh, Astro Boy. Of course. Making this movie the fairy godmother of anime. Yes. In a sense. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my mom is in the chat, and she says, yes, you have seen this movie all the way through many times. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't remember this. There you go, Miss Dodgett. Thank you. Put him in his place. <laughs> so apparently I have watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs all the way through. I just don't remember it. <laughs> oh, that's I have much more memories of it being on that DTV Valentine's Day special I also wore into the ground. That is where I picked, picked up, up the cricket. cricket. Yes. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Miss Dodgen. Oh. 
Oh, this I is love horribly this. ironic for me to say, but Jiminy Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, this show's awesome. I, I knew it would be when I realized, oh, I got Jim that's where Jiminy Crickets came from, and I yes. don't remember this. <laughs> In my defense, this yes. is probably also around the time I wore down that copy of uh, that bootlegged copy of Lady and the Tramp Possibly. into the ground. So there's a lot of those like in Charlotte's Web, same time. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of these. It's like I know I watched, but I don't remember watching it. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and plus now I'm looking at it with a more critical eye. Right. So. I will have an opinion. I do have opinions. Yes. Going forward. So before I embarrass myself even more, I don't know what she <laughs> right now. She says, yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, Jacob, what um, are your spoiler free thoughts? My spoiler three thoughts is again, thank you, Miss Dodgen. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, awesome. Uh, so I remember watching this this movie as a very young lad. Uh, I didn't particularly like it because there again, I was a little like a very small child and didn't appreciate it whatsoever. No, I was, and oh, it, and it is a Disney princess film and you're a guy. There's that is a little true. bit of diametrically opposedness to that. That's true. Minus the, the dwarfs were cool. Well, yeah, the dwarfs were cool. Obviously. So I remember watching it when I was a very younger child. My mom, obviously she bought us all the, uh, the VHS clamshell, mm -hmm. the white um, boxes, the white boxes. And uh, that was fun. And uh, I had not seen this movie for decades until a couple of years ago when I got it part of a, a Disney movie club. Right. So I got it and I watched it. And I'm like, huh. Be like, I remember this film very well. Now, granted, I always got it mixed up with uh, Cinderella. Cinderella. I always got it mixed up with Cinderella. That is understandable as they're similar stories. They are similar stories. Throw in Minus Sleeping Cinderella Beauty with the same fun. thing. Oh, well, true. That's true. I do remember Cinderella. Mom. Cin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go down that road. No, we don't. Uh, but uh, Minus, I think... Have we reviewed Cinderella yet? We have. That's that's the reason I went in and put Snow White on is, do you know what Disney princess films we've actually reviewed? Total? Uh, let's see. Most of the modern ones. Frozen. Yes. Tangled. Uh, Mulan. Mulan, yes. Aladdin technically counts as Princess Jasmine. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. That's it. That's, a that's good point. the only four we've done. That we had true. not got the classics. So that's that's why I put Snow White on the list for the fifth one, because that makes sense. we have reviewed a movie with Snow White in it already. Yes, we have. Which and we every other Disney princess. <laughs> that is true. That was a fun scene. Not a very fun film. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to go listen to our, our review of uh, Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Internet, go check that uh, out. Wherever you listen to your but um yeah that's why i put it on the list is like a it's the very first full-length animated feature ever made of course b we haven't done the classic disney princess films oh thank you we have done little mermaid yes little mermaid that's thank another you. film i wore out i love the little mermaid as a kid but uh Fair. this this movie i mean i i appreciate this film so much for what it what it was and what it did for the industry what it did for animation what it did to inspire other artists to become animators and uh, 
Anyways, Mama's reminding us that on that episode we had trouble talking about her shells, shells. because we're sh- yes straight men. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I remember. I remember. The anyway, thing. thank you, Miss Dodgen. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I appreciate this film so much for what it is, what it does. Uh, it is a masterpiece in itself. To to say this movie is terrible or just it's not worth watching is almost uncanny for someone to say oh yeah uh i mean i do have issues with the film but overall it is a fantastic film it is a it's revolutionary in every aspect of this film every of everything because it started everything exactly but overall i enjoy this film and uh yeah can't wait to get into just reviewing it well why don't we just go ahead and do that Exactly. Let's do that. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Listener discretion is advised. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was directed by William Cottrell, David Hand, Wilfred Jackson, Larry Morey, Pierce, Percy Pierce. There you go. And Ben Sharpstein. I am not saying what else they directed because that's way too many directors. And I'm guaranteeing you some of those are more animation directors and not yes. literal uh, director of... The, actually, I would bet none of these are the director of the whole thing. I bet they all directed segments Possibly. of the movie. Possibly. I will say before I get farther into this, this does feel like a series of silly symphonies. In some way. In some yes. ways. In some ways. But admittedly, that's what they and all these people in animated before. So right, 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 right. Also, it was written by Ted Sears, Richard Creedon, Otto Englander, Dick Rickard, Earl Hurd, Meryl D. Maris, Dorothy Ann Blank, and Webb Smith, and based on the classic fairy tale by the Brothers Grimm. Mm-hmm. Getting into the cast, we've got Adriana Cosolotti. Cosolotti? Cosolotti? It's Italian. Mm-hmm. That's all I can tell. <laughs> she voiced Snow White. And uh, did you know she's in The Wizard of Oz? No, I didn't know that. She played a character named Juliet, but she is uncredited over there. Huh. But that's her only other singing role besides Snow White. Well, that makes sense. Definitely. And now we'll get more into that in the trivia. Yeah. <laughs> it was the 1930s. Yes. Also, we got Roy Atwell voicing Doc. And in something called Behind the Mic, he played a guy named Vale. Hmm. And by the way, as I'm going through what else they'd been in, all this stuff, of course, is going to be from the 30s. I don't know what any of it is, except for in a very few instances. Yes. So I'm going to just assume these were their major roles. I, a lot of times I pulled from you know the what they're famous for on IMDb, just yes. giving y'all a heads up. Eddie Collins, believe it or not, was the voice of Dopey. Eddie Collins. That even sounds really familiar. I could I didn't see anything that really stood out for him. Oh, okay. I'll get, to, I'll get to him in. But along with playing Dopey, bear in mind a guy who doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. He also was the Chipmunks and the Squirrel Sneezes. Oh, okay. Hmm. And in a old movie called Charlie Chan in Honolulu, he played Al Hogan. Hmm. Pinto Kolvig was the voice of Sleepy, Grumpy, and Dopey's Hiccups. Huh. I want to point out something here. Okay. The character 
who does not ever speak because, and I quote, we don't know if he knows how to speak. He's never tried. Yeah. Has two voice actors. <laughs> I would love oh. to, I, and I, I need to go back and figure out where he, Dopey actually made noises besides the hiccups. <laughs> well, he does scream. He does scream at when he, when he realized he thinks that Snow White's a, a ghost. Oh, okay, yeah, I can make. And I so can he see that. Screams and barrels down right. the stairway. Stairway. So anyway, this Pinto Kovic, the voice of Grumpy and Sneezy and and Dopey, he is the earliest Goofy voice. Earliest voice for Goofy. Yep. You know, gorgeous G Goof. Gorgeous G Goof. That's his name. Really? That's his full name. I didn't know that. You learn something every day. You know people. what the, the middle G is? Goofy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's gorgeous Goofy Goof. <laughs> Clever Disney, clever. Billy Gilbert was the voice of Sneezy, and he played a character of Herring in the classic Charlie Chaplin film, The Great Dictator. Oh, you know the one where Charlie Chaplin played Hitler oh, to okay. make fun of Hitler Word. before we entered World War II. II. Yes. Otis Harlan was the voice of Happy, and he played Mr. Mole in Bambi. Hmm. Or he would go on to play Mr. Mole in Bambi, I yeah. should say. Scotty Metra was the voice of Bashful, and he was a migrant in The Grapes of Wrath. Stuart Buchanan was the voice of the Huntsman, and he played a carnival barker in Pinocchio. He's one of the people who were turning kids into donkeys. Oh, okay. What are those people? You have to use donkey because the real word he was turning them into, we cannot say on a family-friendly podcast. You're welcome. Anyway, Maroni Olsen played the Magic Mirror, and in The Three Musketeers from 1935, he played Porthos. Huh. And Lucille Laverne was the voice of the Queen and the Witch. Huh. And in 1935's A Tale of Two Cities, she played a character called The Vengeance. Hmm. I want to know. I, I got to go check that out because I want to see what character is called the Vengeance because that sounds like a Power Rangers villain. Yes, it does. <laughs> anyway, Kingdom Hearts Connections. Take a guess. One. Absolutely positively nothing. Huh. Outside wanna... of the fact that all the characters show up in Kingdom Hearts. Well, that makes sense. There was a movie made in 1937 and a game and, that only and all of the voice of... actors are dead now yeah. because they've all, it, they're all too old. And, and that's the other thing I, I didn't mention. Every other film that we've done from this era, from this era, like Pinocchio, mm-hmm. when we did it. They were all doing stuff all the way up into like the 50s, 60s, 70s, right? Every single, nearly every single one of these people stopped acting by 1940 ish some went to 45 there was one or two that was 50 but most of them stopped pretty much at the start of world war ii really is an interesting little that is interesting but anyway what do we got in info and stuff info and stuff so uh it has an imdb of 5.2 out of 10 what yeah imdb has a 5.2 out of 10 for Snow White and the freaking Seven Dwarfs, what not, is wrong with you, people? Not, wait, are you are you sure you're not pulling a PaulJPowers.com and reading like a different Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, possibly uh, starring Kristen Stewart? 
let me check because that just sounds weird okay this is the one of the classics i agree with you i agree with it is it's kind of bizarre it's like why in the world would a such a classic film like that have a low score i mean i guess maybe if you're looking back on it uh it may not be as impressive because it was the first time we we saw so many things that become normal after this point right so maybe it does it's not as impressive as maybe some other things but still it is weird i agree with you uh Uh, okay i'm seeing an i on imdb i'm seeing a imdb rating of 7.6 out of 10 which is a little better yeah uh now i may be like i i looked this up it's on google what it changed okay that happens sometimes i agree it's it's, i don't know how it changed that much overnight okay so it it does i'll give it i'll give that one to you okay so 7.6 is a lot more understandable better than a 7.2 this is like okay that's a little weird but anyways i I mean at that point you reach the point of critically it's probably pretty good at that point we're just dealing with preference yeah all right so um we think uh you can watch it obviously on disney plus it's produced by walt disney productions distributed was not by bona vista no it was by rko radio pictures mm-hmm. which has now been it, all of its titles been absorbed Ar- into oh hang on because rko pictures still exists Yes. It is mostly a rights holding company at this yes, point. Exactly. Because all of its films, even though they are distributed by other companies now, Prim- primarily, primarily Warner, Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers yes. due to the RKO library being sold to Ted Turner back mm-hmm. in the 80s. Yes. And then he crammed it all into Warner Brothers when he when that got absorbed in, with Time Warner, mm-hmm. uh, which includes, of course, King Kong. Mm-hmm even though universal thought they had it for a long time anyway that's if you want to know more about that strange copyright information don't go listen to any show we've done go listen to nate marchand's uh episode on uh uh on the king kong movies he went into that i i think it's like the first three he goes into like that entire history of all that oh monster island film ball yeah monster island film yeah yeah go show show that show love yeah he he goes into it much better but the fun fact is well we're not going to get into that but yeah rko was the distributor Mm -hmm. of the walt disney shorts and films after universal kind of made walt disney mad by stealing oswald the lucky rabbit (laughs) thanks universal just putting that out there yes uh release date was uh where do you think it was originally released 1937 okay where what theater grumman's chinese theater except it wasn't called grumman's at the time i don't know who the owner was no it wasn't grumman's i assumed it was at the chinese theater no it was uh, was the carthay circle theater okay yeah this was a very famous theater back in the 1930s it makes sense it'd be in one of the big ones in hollywood yeah it was it was huge It it was it was actually in burbank well that's where disney is so yeah yeah so this was a theater that be like you saw everything everything at this theater and uh now it is part of a a two-story complex in a parking lot shame yes but anyway anyways uh so it was released uh nationwide on february 4th to uh 2000 that's way that's a millennial later jacob February 4th, 1980, 1938. 
So a whole year later. Yeah. Or almost a full year later. Almost. No, I won't take the back a couple of months. Or I'm not even reading this right. Blah. It was released within the next year. Yeah, it was like two months later. Two months later. I'm sorry. Two months. Later. So let's see. Box office. Uh now granted, this is like fully estimated. Uh, it had an animated animated budget and it made budget that was estimated at one point four million dollars. Which was a ton of money in 1937. Yeah. Bear in mind, we were coming out of the Great Depression at the time. Very true. And like, even the the only reason movies were making money is because everyone had nothing to do except this was the highlight of their week was to go watch a movie at the theater. Exactly. Like, even to the point where, be like, the movie, like, they were running out of money. Yeah. They're running out of money to do this film. And they told Walt, be like, just scream to the the uh, the bankers. Just scream it. Let them watch it. And sure enough, they watched it. They loved it. They gave him more money. So uh, let's see here. Uh, the opening weekend for United States and Canada was 6.017 you know, uh yeah it made six like six million dollars yeah i think i think it's inflated i think the uh it's been um i can't talk tonight this is terrible you're saying the that number is affected by inflation possibly okay possibly um let's see the united the blah 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 blah. uh u.s gross in canada was 100 and 184,000, uh, 134.9 million dollars, mm-hmm. and that's the world gross. Now, granted, this is probably all combined with its re releases into theaters, yeah, because that's that is one of the things is that this movie was re released right before World War II mm-hmm. so that they Disney could make some more money to get through the war years mm-hmm. <laughs> before they really cut back on their budgets and made four films that were shorts with musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Of course, one of those was Fantasia. So what are we talking about here? All right. So here's a question. When do you think Snow White and Seven Dwarfs was finally released on home video? Well, A, it could not have been released on home video at least until around 19, the 1970s at its earliest mm-hmm. because okay. we didn't have home video until then. That is true. We did. So there is that. True. That being said... While I do suspect this might be one of the first ones released on home video, knowing how Disney feels with their Dis- with the Disney vaults back in the day, mm-hmm. I can also see this one taking a good long while to actually get released on VHS. VHS was the early 80s, I believe, specifically, because mm-hmm. we had Betamax before that and Betamax. It's about the mid All that stuff was super expensive at the time. Yes. So I'm guessing 1984. Uh, close. 1994. 1994? Yeah. Okay. By that time, I'd probably already worn out a VHS tape recorded <laughs> off Disney Channel. <laughs> From what I've learned tonight. Yes. That is most likely what happened, because <laughs> I can almost guarantee you at the age of nine, I probably had, wasn't watching this film again. Okay. Because I know my watching habits from that time period. By then, Darkwing Duck was taking up my world. Yeah. So just to clarify something earlier when I'm talking about the the uh the box office. Actually long after this, that, but anyway. This uh 
these numbers are being based off uh, the release back in 1983. Okay. So yes, and it had been released a ton of times because that, oh, yes. that was that was that was actually how Disney every stayed, seven years they released. That's how, that's how all these movies stayed in the the zeitgeist, the the, the cultural memory mm-hmm. of of the of us is because they were always being re released mm-hmm. every couple years, and all the Disney movies made money because they were Disney movies. Mm-hmm. You knew they were going to be good, and then the vault happened. Well, the vault kind of is a natural growth out of mm-hmm. that, because Disney wanted to make sure that all their movies were special. That is true. I, I think they realized early on that um, what do they call that a uh, FAMO or F FOMO. FOMO. Okay. FOMO. Fear of missing out. I think they realized that was a thing. Yeah. So they realized we could make a ton of money if we make limited releases. Mm-hmm. And then don't release it again for seven years. Yes. All right. So on October... Or till the next home video format comes out. That is true. So on October 28th, 1994, the film was released for the first time on home video on VHS and Laserdisc as the first release of Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection. The Laserdisc contained the film along with several bonus tracks, uh, bonus materials such as the making of documentary, an archival interview with the one and only Walt Disney, and deleted scenes. In 1995, the film had sold $24 million million home video units, grossing over $430 million. As of 2002, the film has sold $21.5 one million dollars in home video units in the united states alone hmm. snow white and seven dwarfs was released on dvd for the first time in in october october 9th 2001 uh the first in the disney's platinum edition features uh around uh, across two discs a digital restoration of the film making a documentary and uh, much, much more, which has been rehashed and reburned through different ones. Uh, let's see. A VHS released in, uh, I think the final one, the final VHS was released in 2001. Uh, both versions returned to the vault in 2002. As of 2001, the film grossed over $1.2, $1.1 million in the box office and home, home video revenue. Snow White and Seven Dwarfs was released on Blu-ray for the first time on October 6, 2009 the first of the Disney's diamond edition and a new DVD edition, which was released October on November 24, 2009. The Blu-ray included a high definite high definition version of the film sourced from new, uh, new restoration of new restoration of the film, a DVD copy of the film, several, uh, several bonus features, um, uh, which were not included in the 2001 DVD release. The set returned to the Disney Vault in two, uh, on April 30th, 2011. Walt Disney Studio Home Entertainment re-released Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs on Blu-ray and DVD on February 2nd, 2016 as the first of the Walt Disney Signature Collection line. Mm-hmm. It was released on HD, um, digital HD on January 19th, 
2016 with bonus materials. Now, there was a scheduled sequel. And it never happened. It never happened. On In the early 2000s, Disney Toon Studios began developing a computer animated prequel to Snow White and Seven Dwarfs titled The Seven Dwarfs. Uh, directors Mike Dysa and screenwriter Evan, I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize, Spilled Topless, Spilled Topless, I believe. I'm probably butchering my apologies. Uh, pitch a story explaining how the dwarves met and how the evil queen killed Snow White's father and took the throne. According to Dysa, uh, Toon Disney management changed the sequel plot to center around how Dopey lost his voice upon witnessing the death of his mother, which sounds a, a worse idea. Let's mm -hmm. just being honest. After Disney, after Disney purchased Pixar in 2006, John Lasseter, D uh, Disney Toon's new chief operator canceled the Seven Dwarfs. So that is all I have for info and stuff. So there was one interesting thing you didn't mention that 1994 version for VHS. Mm -hmm. Do you know why Disney finally gave in and made a home video release of it? Why is that? Because in Italy at the time, hmm. the film was almost in public domain. Really? And they knew it was going to be in trouble for piracy, so they went ahead and tried to get ahead of the pirates and release a good, high-quality version of the film where people could see it. But ultimately, the uh, they got, of course, the copyright laws extended. Mm -hmm. Of course. Fun fact, at the end of this year, the very first Mickey Mouse cartoon goes public domain. That'll be interesting to see what yes. happens there. Because I just don't think Disney at this point is trying to keep that from happening anymore and plus we'll probably get another like another horror film out of it <laughs> steamboat willie <laughs> <laughs> oh boy reep, reep, reep. you see mickey mouse kill, uh stabbing pete through the heart <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> with his with with the with, with with the steering wheel of the boat anyway <laughs> let's get into the actual summary of yes. the film Having lost both her parents at a young age, Snow White is a princess living with her wicked and cold-hearted stepmother, the Queen. Fearing that Snow White's beauty will outshine her own, the Queen forces her to work as a scullery maid and asks her magic mirror daily who is the fairest one of all. For years, the mirror always answers that the Queen is pleasing her. One day, the magic mirror informs the Queen that Snow White is now the fairest in all the land. On the same day, Snow White meets and falls in love with a prince who overhears her singing. Angered, the queen orders her huntsman to take Snow White into the forest, kill her, and bring back her heart in a jeweled box. The huntsman cannot bring himself to kill Snow White and reveals to her the queen's plot. He then urges her to flee into the woods and never return. Lost and frightened, Snow White is befriended by woodland animals who lead her to a cottage deep in the woods. Finding seven small chairs in the cottage's dining room, Snow White... Uh, assumes the cottage is the untidy home of seven orphan children <laughs> with the animals help she proceeds to clean the place and cook a meal snow white soon learns that the cottage is the home of the seven dwarves named doc grumpy happy sleepy bashful sneezy and dopey who work in a nearby mine returning home they are alarmed to find their cottage clean and suspect they have an intruder who has invaded their home snow white introduces herself and the dwarves welcome her after she offers to clean and cook for them snow white keeps house for the dwarves while they mine for jewels during the day and at night they all sing play music and dance 
Back at the castle, the magic mirror reveals that Snow White is still living, and with the dwarves um, enraged at the huntsman tricked her, the queen creates a poisoned apple that will put whoever eats it into a death-like sleep. Death-like sleep. <laughs> she learns the curse can be broken by love's first kiss, but a certain Snow White will be buried alive before this can happen. Using a potion to disguise herself as an old hag, the queen goes to the cottage while the dwarfs are away. The animals see through the disguise but are unable to warn Snow White. They rush off to find the dwarves. The queen fools Snow White into biting into the apple and she falls into a death-like slumber. The dwarves return to the with the animals as the queen leaves the cottage and give chase, trapping her on a cliff. She tries to roll a boulder onto them, but lightning strikes the cliff before she can do so, causing her to fall and get crushed to death by the boulder. In their cottage, the dwarves find Snow White asleep by the poison. Unwilling to bury her in the ground, they instead place her in a glass coffin in the forest. Together with the animals, they keep watch over her. A year later, the prince learns of Snow White's eternal sleep and visits her coffin. Saddened by her apparent death, he kisses her, which breaks the spell and awakens her. The dwarfs and animals all rejoice as the prince takes Snow White to his castle in the sky. Apparently. I'm just saying. Apparently they're ascending to heaven. That's what it looks like. But anyway, trivia. <laughs> At a recording session, Lucille Laverne, the voice of the Wicked Queen, was told by Walt Disney's animators that they needed an older, raspier version of the Queen's voice for the Old Witch. Laverne stepped out of the recording booth, returned a few minutes later, and gave a perfect old hag's voice. That stunned the animators. When asked how she did it, she replied, oh, I just took my teeth out. I love that. That's so perfect. That's great. That and that's great. That makes perfect sense. That's how that works. Walt Disney wanted to keep Snow White's voice as a special one-time sound and held Adriana Casaletti, Snow White, to a very strict contract. Except for a tiny bit part in The Wizard of Oz, 1939, she never had a real singing part in a movie again. Though she was a classically trained singer. Wow. Yeah. She signed a really, really bad contract then. Some animators were opposed to the name Dopey, claiming that it was too modern a word to use in a timeless fairy tale. I would point out today they would not want to use the word Dopey because probably it, they would be considered like making fun of uh, pe slow people. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Anyway, Walt Disney made the argument that William Shakespeare used the word in one of his plays. The, this managed to convince everyone, although any reference to the term dopey is yet to be found in any of Shakespeare's work. Although Shakespeare does use the term foolish in Twelfth Night, as well as Zed, or Z, meaning dumbest of the dumb, these could have been alternative names for dopey since they were found in Shakespeare. Hmm. Halfwit, dunce, and jester were all similar terms that were commonly used at the time. Oh. They could have been Dopey's name also. The original names for the dwarves, however, before Disney had the, renamed them, were Snick, Glick, Flick, Flick, Plick, Wick, and Quee. Yeah. You got to be real careful how you say that, by the way. Yes. Good job, by the way. The very special Academy Award given to the picture consisted of one standard Oscar statuette with seven miniature statuettes on a stepped base. I, I love that. That was awesome. Last but not least, and that's not that there weren't more trivia for this, because mm -hmm. there's tons of trivia for this. I just had to, I just cut it down to the, some of the more interesting ones. 
Animator Seamus Colhane recalled drawing the Dwarf's March home in the hi-ho scene as one of the toughest assignments of his career. Although six of the dwarves were marching at the same tempo, he had to give each his own body language suited mm-hmm. to the character, and he had to map each individual's walk with a blue pencil and ruler because of the unusual angles and perspectives used in the sequence. Mm-hmm. And then there was Dopey. Yes. Bringing up the rear, hopping out of step in the, uh, with the others, but who still had to be smoothly integrated into the action. Describing the sheer amount of painstaking, hand-drawn labor this involved, Colhane said, I worked six months on that beep thing, and it doesn't last a minute on screen. A labor of love, apparently. I just hope he got paid well. They got paid pretty well for the 1930s. So that's all I've got for the trivia. What is your first like for this film? Oh, first, like, obviously, it's, it's an absolute legend of you oh, know, yeah. animation, obviously being the first, and it broke so many, it'd be like, it got an Academy Award, it'd be like, it broke, like, every record, the, the, the critics at the time were talking the, uh, like, the, Dis- you know, Disney's folly, and this is gonna be the worst thing ever, and, uh, like, the critics coming up to this film were be like, no, this is gonna be the worst thing ever, be like, be like this is not gonna work there there's there's no chance this is gonna work and when it debuted they were like oh my gosh we're wrong oh my gosh amazing amazing Mm -hmm. to where it was what i've seen in interviews where be the the people were laughing they were crying they were like every point was on be like at every point needed to be like this film was created with such uh love and devotion to the craft yes to the craft itself and there again as a very small boy i didn't pre- appreciate that as an adult i do now but be like yeah it's, it's an absolute legend in its own right and those who would say that well be like it's just old i would have said that when i was much younger but as an adult who now does reviews for yeah a podcast i, I find this absolutely amazing so yeah, number one. My first like for this, you'd think that it would be something along the lines of the amazingness of of doing this much animation for mm-hmm. this long, being the first animated movie, that, that sort of thing. The thing is, yes, it is an amazing achievement having an hour and a half worth of animation, but let's but in all honesty, yeah. That's just what eight or nine silly symphonies or Looney Tunes cartoons in a row. Yeah, it's just years worth. It, it's more than a year's worth of work. But it's you know it's it's a lot of work. But it's not like they weren't already doing kind of this work already. Of course, and they're probably working around the same pace, especially since we actually know there are fully animated deleted scenes. Oh yeah, for this film. But the thing that <coughs> the thing I enjoyed the most is the fact that. This really does feel like a eight or nine silly symphonies in a row. Kind of, yeah. It has that feel of these cl- of the classic shorts, like the the Looney Tunes, or uh, well, for instance, when we were doing Looney Virus, I put a I put a short in there you had never seen, and I 
I'm still surprised I saw because it was one of those, you know, happen to see ones yeah. called uh, I Love to Singer, which was easily yeah. the oldest, probably still is actually the oldest thing we've reviewed. Because okay. I think it predates, I think that short still predates this movie. Okay. I have to double check. But that Schleisinger, I think was the director mm-hmm. on that. Yes. That style is kind of what this is using, even though we're also throwing in there uh, at least uh they they had to have done like they I know they did in later films where they filmed somebody mm-hmm. and then uh drew to match that animation yeah. so it would give a more natural animation because you can it, it's because it's not a oh piddle what do you what do you call that where you draw around on the film rotoscoping rotoscoping it's not rotoscoped because you can tell if it was rotoscoped a little yeah, better this is definitely going off of a uh off of off of a film's uh, reference reference film. It's basically a lot of the animation is is through reference films, especially on snow, the the uh, the the uh, Snow White, uh, uh, Prince Charming, and uh, the Queen. Mm-hmm. Not so much the witch, but the Queen. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of tell that they are basing that. It's it's a more kind of a it's less cartoony animation, more of a we're obviously referencing other stuff kind yeah. of things you know what i mean by that yes uh i don't like that all the time because i think it does kind of give them some awkwardness in the animation Fair. especially looking back on it now especially yeah. when you're looking at stuff like you know the seven dwarves who are fully animated without reference yeah uh i kind of wish that's i'm not i'm not considering this a downside which is why i'm mentioning it here i just yeah. kind of wish they stayed with the whole full animated you know the full cartoon look yeah i love the fact that this felt like those old classy cartoons because the thing is pinocchio doesn't mm-hmm. pinocchio feels like a step up from that it's obviously got a little bit more money because it didn't have to fight for, and and and, and the people who made pinocchio had made this film so they already had figured out okay yeah these old ways of doing it that we were doing for the shorts those a lot of those best practices don't really translate as well to a movie. So they did different things for the movies going forward as they were continuing to learn and grow in their craft. But at this point we were just seeing what felt like uh, a, lo- a long set of Looney Tunes cartoons in a way, mm-hmm. but done in the Disney style, which is silly symphonies. And I kind of liked that it had that kind of not amateurish. That's not the word I'm looking for, but kind of a, uh, natural feel i guess yeah. a more a more natural it's not as polished as later ones are but it doesn't need the polish yeah and it's still beautiful all the way through the animation and this is amazing mm-hmm. but especially for this time period but at the same time it still has the feel of like watching a bunch i'm not gonna say like bugs bunny and tweet even though i watched more looney tunes and silly symphonies because yeah disney never put the silly symphonies up in the on tv like warner brothers did with looney tunes uh-huh. but um I, I it reminded me of that kind of time period mm-hmm. in my life uh, of that of that's that feel that mostly stationary with a little bit of animation feel but still amazing how much you're actually seeing because there is money behind this you know yes. what i'm talking about yes. and i just love that kind of wild west i guess feel of uh-huh animation in this where it's like we've been making these uh, uh shorts 
now we're making a full feature, but we still only really know how to make shorts. So this is going to feel like a very long short. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my first like, is that it feels like a very long short and I kind of yeah. like that. My second like would be, I'm going to go with the dwarves. Okay. The the dwarves are what make this film more interesting, bring more, bring more dynamic to the film. You have like the, like every character has their own, the way they talk, the way they move, like, the, the amount of detail they put into just the characters walk and how they hold mm-hmm. themselves, uh, like how they like, like how they throw their pick, how they, how it comes over their shoulder. Like yeah. every one of them is different, uh, from even from Doc uh, to, to, uh, yeah. Dopey to Dopey. Thank you. Like this, this, the way they animated this film, the way the enemy, the especially the dwarves, is so well done, so well executed, beyond belief. Mm-hmm. It is just uh, incredible. So yeah, the the dwarves and the, how their personalities, they're they're all different. It's not just it's not Louie, Dewey, and you, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, I can't talk tonight. But Dewey, um, Dewey Huey, and Louie are the ones that own the Yellow Van uh, uh, shipping company. DHL, Dewey, Huey, Louie. Oh, hearty, har, har. <laughs> hearty, har, har. But yeah, just the, 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 the amount of detail they put into the dwarfs themselves as characters and the, the amount of time, energy, and love they're putting more love into, the, into just making this craft and making it what it is today. Mm-hmm. And to think that was almost 100 years ago. Yeah, nearly. It's almost 100 years ago. About 90 years ago. It's about 90 years ago. Anyway. So, yeah, dwarfs. I'm going to jump off that because I kind of like... This wasn't my next like, but yeah. it is one of my likes. Uh, yeah, the dwarves are like a highlight uh-huh. of this because, like you said, they each have a... Uh, personality you can tell who they all are from a distance yeah even the two that are most the, the two dwarves that are have the the most similar designs being uh sleepy and bashful yes even the way they walk when they're not you know actually sneezy sleepy and bashful all kind of have the same kind of visual appeal appear mm-hmm. appearance to them but even when they're not showing off their you know major personality quirk they're named after they each have a different way of feeling. So you can tell from a distance, oh, that's sleepy, that's sneezy, that's uh, bashful. Uh, so, yeah, you got that. Plus, like you said, uh, they all have great animation. You can, um, the thing is, what I, what I really like, however, more specifically, is Grumpy. Yes. Oh, my gosh, love Grumpy. Because Grumpy... For one thing, is the only one with sense. Yes, I'm sorry, but he's like, but outside of the fact that he gets a little conspiratorial at points, a little about what's going on, he's like, he's like, Grumpy, you're the only one who's actually thinking straight about what who these people are. And yeah, he eventually comes around too, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's always going to be grumpy. That's just what how he is. Exactly. And, and but so I, I like how you. I don't know. I've, I've kind of come around on the idea of liking grumpy characters 
because once you know they like you, you can't really you you kind of know it's a genuine like. That is true. Uh, because let's face it, Happy, he may like Snow White, but then later he could turn around and not like her for some unknown reason. Very, and true. it wouldn't really be a change in character. True, and 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 story, but I, I like grumpy was one, one of my favorite characters in in this he's i think he's always been my favorite of the seven dwarves personally but uh i've seen grumpy and other things but yeah the seven dwarves are my second like grumpy being for a, foremost among them that's what i'm trying uh, to say okay what's your third my third like would be even though the evil witch has more of a very petty, like very petty, more revengeance because she has to be the most fairest, most beautiful of all. Yeah. The, the, the depth of evil and brutality, brutality, uh, uh, that's not a word. Um, the, the depths in which this woman will go in order to, to retain her vanity on beauty mm-hmm is to kill her stepdaughter and have the huntsman cut her heart out <laughs> and put it in a box put it in a box we are talking a disney film which the villain says cut her heart out put it in a box and bring it back to me yes oh my wow yeah talk, talk about the oh my gosh this is like jeez I me mean, like we, we we've seen some throughout the the course of the five years doing the cell cast thank you again for people who have you know watched this and support us thank you very much um like you see some really really dastardly villains but i think the 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 evil witch in this movie is pretty far up there the fact to be like yeah. she's willing to do anything in order for her own vanity including kill a young girl have her cart cut out and bring it to her yeah that that is levels of insanity and levels of depravity in order just to for your own vanity and be like we don't even know be like be like what happened to snow white's father or anything be like what 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 other terrible despicable things this woman did in order to gain power and to retain her 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 um her physical beauty for the time being yeah it's kind of reminds me of gothel in a way but Gothel was Gothel was manipulative and you know twisted as a person. Be like she she didn't be like yeah she tried to kill Flynn Rider yes and Rapunzel and Rapunzel when it became very obvious she was never going to get the when Rapunzel was never going to like her again yeah it's true but also she was going to force her to do whatever whatever it was because it was in her her vanity her her pride to still be youthful and it didn't mm-hmm. matter what it was going to take where with the evil witch the evil witch the evil queen is literally i'm going to kill my stepdaughter because she's more beautiful than i am and yeah. i'm going to prove that but i'm going to rip her heart out <laughs> and it's just like jeez she's very jealous very jealous extremely jealous so yeah it's just the 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 level of callousness that the the evil queen will go to in order to retain the the status of beautifulest of all which is just like you think of that it's like whoa that is 
low. Yeah. When it, when it comes to uh, like the, or more the, the extreme high bar when it comes to villains uh, motive. Mm-hmm. And I just like, wow. Be like, you, you, you start looking at that like in full perspective. It's like, dang. <coughs> so that's my number third. So the problem, <coughs> the problem with our three, like, limit here is that this movie has a lot of likes and we have to leave a lot of them on the table and not get to talk about them right so i'm gonna jump on what i consider to be my favorite sequence of this film okay but bear in mind there's a lot more things i like about this than what i really mentioned that really deserve to be talked about but we just don't have the time but the transformation scene of the queen to the to witch oh yeah was amazing amazing in its in its fluidity and it's transformation and it's like you you literally see every single frame Mm -hmm. of evil of of the evil queen you know the beauty that she had because she was still a very beautiful yes woman from what we could see to being this old nasty ugly witch that she will eventually die Mm -hmm. as because you know, you, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I don't know if she was ever a good person. That's not even the quote I was thinking of when I started that sentence. Right. Uh, no, no, it, it it was Star Wars, but it was a different part of Star Wars because uh, she became that which she hated. <laughs> her she allowed the she allowed her her evilness to make her evil on, as evil on the outside as uh, ugly on the outside as so she was on the inside. Oh. And she never got to go back because she literally lied, cheated, used black magic, mm-hmm. uh, and did every sort of evil she could to kill Snow White. And mm-hmm. it was all for naught. Exactly. In fact, I am going to kind of play off of this a little because uh, one of the visual elements I like here is they went to so much trouble to make Snow White appear good, mm-hmm. the, the, the perfect angel kind of a character yeah. in 1937. Yes. She's the only character we see who actually prays. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, she while she dies, mm-hmm. it's her prince that brings her back. Okay, fair. That she didn't meet for like a hot second back yeah. at the well. Mm-hmm. Classic fairy tale. Classic fairy tale. And... The end of the film, when she go, they go on to live happily ever after, they go off to his castle. Interestingly enough, his castle does not appear to be on the ground. It's in the clouds. Homegirl, somehow Disney, I don't know how they pulled this off without realizing it, they made a Jesus analog resurrection story. <laughs> I would agree with you because in so many ways, Prince Charming, despite the fact they don't, he doesn't get much character development in this at all. I didn't even bother to list this voice actor. (laughs) That's how little he's in the film, Mm -hmm. but you know, he's kind of the perfect character. He's just like, you know, Jesus. Yeah. Looking for his bride. Yep. He finds his, her, he finds his bride after she has quote unquote pass. And he, she, he brings her out of the grave. Yeah. And they go off to heaven. Good night. That sounds like what we're we're off. We're you know because you know as Christians mm-hmm. we're you know of the church. The church is the bride of Christ, right? 
And one day, a lot of us are going to be risen from the grave yeah. and taken off to live with Jesus. If we're the bride of Christ and he's the bridegroom, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I has nobody else seeing the similarity that here. Is a very, very and I guarantee you the Disney people didn't see it. They were just... Uh, if they, if they saw it, they weren't the few who probably saw it, probably just didn't point it out. Probably, I suspect that this was a thing that in the original fairy tale, and they were just adapting it far more closely than Disney will ever adapt another fairy tale after this. Oh, yeah, and they unintentionally put a Christian message in this film. Bravo, that's really good. I, that's that's a way to draw some dry, right? Uh, and so, that means that. the evil queen was Lucifer. Trying to kill the bride of Christ. Yeah. Or the bride of Prince Charming. Well, she wasn't Lucifer the cat. <laughs> that Lucifer. comes later. Yes, I'm Lucifer. I'm sorry. Do you have another name that you'd prefer for the for the devil? Beelzebub. <laughs> she didn't look very Beelzebubish, but anyway. No, anyways. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> so yeah, I all of that that I just mentioned, because I just kind of combined a couple of my likes there. I got you. Uh, is, you know, the animation plus the fact that they somehow unintentionally had a Christian uh, visual mm-hmm. in there. I, sus- I suspect it was unintentional. Uh, and the fact that this, you know what it is, they ever thought, oh, we should go edit this. It's because they know they would, pardon the pun, they'd be crucified if they did. Oh. <laughs> By... The P- the historians. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. We already know Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is in the National Film Registry as is. Yes. They can't change it now. Nope. So anyway, that brings us to the end of our likes, I believe. Mm-hmm. But there has to be some stuff that we didn't like about this film. Yes. What is your first dislike? My first dislike of this film. Now, I'm probably going to get Rick Dio to Crawls for this. But hang on. I- let me find my rake. Yeah. I could not be like, granted, I understand this is the 1930s Mm -hmm. and music styles have changed dramatically, but how Snow White sings drives my ears nuts. (laughs) Like her, her singing Mm -hmm. style is is very high, very, very high. Are you saying you don't like Sopranos? Not that squeak. (laughs) squeaky sopranos that's squeaky i like this sopranos. i like this term <laughs> this was a very much this is the only defense i have mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a time period thing even though it kind of is yeah this was a very much musicals were not as big a thing oh yet. i agree with you i agree and so more more of this is more based off operatic yeah style of singing because like at least we i mentioned earlier uh the voice actress mm-hmm. is a classically trained singer. Yes, I agree. So she sings in a very classical style. I agree. And this is definitely not Sherman Brothers music. I agree. I completely so agree. It, it, yeah, I get I get it. I get it. Trust me. Yeah, it's just the 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 octave in which she sings everything. The oh I can't even do it because my voice is cracked right now. I mean, that's why they made the joke in Shrek with Fiona. Yeah, that is true. Uh singing so high that it caused the the bird the to bird blow up, to blow up. <laughs> i agree so the, the, that's just more of a nitpick mind be like she 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 squeak sings yeah it's almost too perfect let's say that but yeah that's yeah, nuance that's my first dislike 
She is very close to having to sing in falsetto throughout the entire yes, film. Oh my gosh. I will admit that. Uh-huh. Um, honestly, the songs were not an issue for me as much because really? so many of these are classics. Yeah. I mean, hi-ho, whistle while you work. Mm-hmm. Uh, someday my prince will come. These are, they're, they're classics. Yes. You, you, I can't be mad at them because hearing i wouldn't want to hear them sung differently than this agreed well just wait until the the live action whenever that comes out <sighs> that one i may boycott but anyway because I, I can just see them giving it to somebody who really can't sing trying to be snow white yeah and then them trying to make it work anyway beside the point <laughs> that's next year next year it's next year that they're yeah. making a live action snow white <laughs> they're, they're gonna ruin it that's that's the thing i i'm not convinced i'm gonna like the the live action little mermaid movie coming mm-hmm. up mostly because i don't want them to mess with the original movie fair it could still work don't get me wrong i'm still gonna give it a, you know a shot but the thing is disney of 1937 and disney of 2024 is entirely different companies and yes. there, there's no way this is going to be of the same have the same feel but, anyway yeah, my my thought on I'll, that, I'll get back to my dislike in a minute. Yeah. So my thought is ever since they they've done they did Maleficent are are they going to do more of the I mean they this done, is the evil queen story. They've also done Cinderella, so right. They at least know kind of how to do the fairy tale part itself. Very true. The question though is going to be is it going to be the same type of film? I, I guess agree. is what I'm trying to get at. I agree. Anyway, um my actual dislike for first dislike for this film is the, uh, the there are moments throughout this where snow the uh, the stuff that was used used reference uh, footage mm-hmm. for whatever reason that th- those uh, characters. you're gonna sneeze sneeze i'm trying to i'm trying i'm trying man it hurts good the the way the transfer happened they kind of stick out uh-huh. it's just the reference the live action reference characters it could be because they're a different animation style so i'm noticing it more uh-huh. but they 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 appear to stick out in the animation far more than than uh like the dwarves do or any yeah. of the, the animals do uh, or the Huntsman, even though the Huntsman had a little bit of that also. Right. Um, it's just, it, it's just, you're looking at it and it's like, there's one kind of a, not, there's one texture, like a canvas on the backgrounds and on like all the other characters. And then you get to like Snow White and all those, and it feels like these were put on top mm-hmm. and Almost like I would almost think it looked like new celluloid on top of old footage, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. It's not because even this transfer is that was done, I think, in the 90s. I read mm-hmm. this is one of the first films that they digitally scanned it in, cleaned, did a remap, or you know, cleaned up all the footage and then re recorded it to celluloid, which is crazy to think that they did had to do it that way, but uh for whatever reason the way that trans in this in the transfer on uh 
on Disney Plus because that's where I watched it. Uh, it just made it look like those characters were like on a different plane of existence in a way, if that yeah. makes any sense. And so, yeah, that that's something I really did not like about it. And, it, and like I said, it could be that the only reason <clears throat> I'm noticing it more on those characters than maybe on any of the others is because of the fact that they are animated differently yeah. than, than the other characters. But I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. It's one of those weird things. I'm not 100% sure what the issue is. It's just no, more noticeable on them than it is on the others. Gotcha. It's almost like the cells are cleaner in a way. I got you. But anyway, what's your second dislike? My second dislike would be if it was not for the dwarfs in this movie, this would be a very, very, this would be a short. It would very much be a short. Because good night, because we like, you, you have the prince who has no personality. There's nothing to the character whatsoever. Yeah. Except be like, he's oh, in two scenes. He's in two scenes. That's it. And he sings the same song twice. Yeah. And there's really nothing to his character. Now, I guarantee whenever they do the live action, which are your, everybody's rolling their eyes at this moment, be like, it's good. They're going to give him a lot of personality or they might just make him flat. Who knows? But, oh, I, I bet they'll make him flatter and they'll try to get make S Snow White ha be uh, like a kick butt kind of woman. Possibly. I don't know. Don't I could know. be guessing wrong. We don't know. But um, yeah, uh, I'm where was i yeah it's just be like you you have the prince who's completely flat you have the the obviously it's 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 a very true to form adaptation from a grim brothers um fairy tale and it's like yeah the the there's there really is no like you know what we would consider romance with these two characters yeah. it's more oh my gosh it's it's you know uh true love at first sight whatever and now granted that's very classic trope uh it's, it's weird though because i've always remembered and possibly this is because this is how no modern princess movies kind of yeah. use the phrase i i think of it as true love's kiss right this movie said love's first kiss yes love's first kiss that's a different kiss yeah, i agree <laughs> yeah i yes i completely agree with it's that. like what if but what what if her father got kissed her lovingly as a child because he loved her as his daughter? Yeah. Is that not love's first kiss? Yeah, agree. So technically, she. It's a weird loophole. It's a weird loophole that could be easily exploited. Yes, agreed. But yes, uh, it's just like if if the tro if the trolls the dwarves were not in this film, this would be a, another silly symphony. Yeah. I agree with that actually, yeah. because this, this, oh, and that was one of the other things I read that I didn't end up getting in there is that they actually intended the movie to focus more on the dwarves. Mm -hmm. They actually had a lot more material on the dwarves, and it was like in the last like couple months going into it, they decided they needed more of the Snow White uh -huh. story in there since it was Snow White. Yeah. So they tried to get some more in there, and that's why some of those deleted scenes with the dwarves got cut. Yes. But you're right. It's like, if we didn't have the dwarves, this would be a very short film. Yes, it would. What is your third dislike? No, uh, this is my second. Oh, your second dislike. My, my second dislike for this film. 
the story like like you were mentioning uh-huh. uh if it weren't for the dwarves this would be very short this story is so paper thin yes granted i have never read the original fairy tale there may not be much more to it than this i have it on audible i still need to listen to it though. okay like i said there may not be much more to it than this but at the same time there's a part of me thinking you could have put more into this story because literally it was oh she's working as a scullery maid she makes a she, she can apparently talk to animals that's the thing i always assumed this was a major plot point for her mm-hmm. that she could talk to the animals and and like this was a thing because she was you know a princess yes. kind of a thing because i mean we'll go on and we'll see cinderella do the same thing with the, the, the mice and cinderella agreed but uh i i thought that was there would be more to it than that but uh, really there isn't no the it, more of the like like i said this is a very it's a very thin story granted maybe it doesn't need more than this it's just amazing we they were able to get this made in the first place yes because the entire idea that because I they they were even I remember reading in the past that part of what makes this why they had such a hard time this is such an experiment film why people thought there was no way this was going to work yeah and we're you know bashing the idea of this movie before it ever came out mm-hmm. was the fact that no they thought nobody could would want to sit in a theater for an hour and a half mm-hmm. to watch colorful pictures much and it's like so i mean it's amazing we got this in of itself it's just i kind of wish there was more meat to this story there is some interesting stuff there but they they never really go into it and honestly it's not even that i want more you know character growth or anything i just want it to be believable that these characters could meet this fast and become fast enough friends that when Snow White stupidly talks to the old witch, who's obviously evil, and you know bites yeah. into the apple, which by the way I didn't get to mention this, I love how they showed the uh, how she you know bit into the apple and fell asleep. Yeah. We didn't actually get to see anything, but that whole the arm falling off and oh, the yeah, apple going there's a good night. I, you want to say oh that they just didn't want to actually animate a woman, you know. Uh, looking like she's dying in front of kids, and maybe that's part of it. Yeah, but, it's but honestly, the way they did it, it's like that's almost scarier. Yeah, <laughs> than if you'd have just it's shown her, dramatic. shown her like clutching at her chest or any uh-huh. or something. W- especially with the witch saying, "Her breath slows, her blood congeals." Good night. Saying her blood congeals is a scary sentence. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, the whole. outside of these little cool moments it just the actual story is paper thin in a way that i know cinderella isn't in a way that i know snow um sleeping beauty isn't yeah in terms of the other classic princess movies this is the most thin of the stories oh yeah heck uh this is not a disney princess film though kingdom hearts would like to word on that like says otherwise but alice in wonderland is a i feel has a deeper a meteor story yeah, than snow white does so i i just kind of wish there was a little bit more meat on that on that bone i agree with you on that yeah i, I would definitely bounce off that with third be like yeah it's a very paper thin story but there again when you're dealing with a 
15th, 16th century, you know, fairy tale. Mm-hmm. I feel like they, they were primarily known for telling uh, like stories that were like warning children, don't do this. Don't right. Do this. And, I, and I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, so were they could have put more into it, I guess. I agree. I agree. With an adaptation. Cause I agree with you. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I would say Snow White is so I'll be mean, like it's the the she's the fairest, she is the most pure, that she's willing to take a chance on anybody. And the fact that everybody's telling her do not talk to anybody. Yeah. Do not talk to anybody. And she winds up talking to the first person and falling for it. I'm like, it's like, okay, I understand it was the 1930s. This, and this character is very naive. Extremely naive. I understand that because I'm kind of naive myself in some ways. Uh, I think we all are in some capacities. But it's like, yeah, when someone obviously like, eat this apple. Eat it. I promise. Just eat the stupid apple. It's yeah. like, just like, Take a hint, girl. This girl, this obviously this old beggar woman is trying to do something nefarious. Exactly. But, oh no! But it looks so good. It's like so, oh, okay, Eve, eat the apple then. So someone did point something interesting out to me. Hmm. From Snow White's point of view, the apple worked. Hmm. Because she wished for her prince to come. Yes, and he did. He did, but he, but from her point of view, she wished for the prince to come. She ate the apple. Next thing she knows, she's waking up and he's kissing her on the lips. That's true. And they were going right off to his castle. Yeah. From her point of view, it worked without us, without a hitch. Yeah. She woke up. It's like, oh, everybody else here. was kind of angry. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, the the one of the things I do I like kind of go into likes again, kind of just yeah, bearing back into it. It's the 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 very um the scene in which the dwarves are trying to chase down yes the, the, the evil queen the, the, the witch the witch and it's just so well done oh my mm-hmm. gosh just amazing but yeah that that is my kind of spur off into likes than this right the one, so the, kind of working off of that is my last dislike okay so as i said earlier snow uh-huh. white can talk to the animals yes it's not really shown that anybody else can true at all. And so I get why the animals went off to find the dwarves mm-hmm. because they were her only allies that would be able to do anything in that moment. The dwarves, at least for the most part, act like they can't understand what the animals are saying. Uh-huh. They're not trying to talk to the animals other than saying, shoo, go away. We got work to do. Uh-huh. And yet, at some point, they all realize. Oh, you're here because of Snow White. Uh-huh. We must go save her because the evil queen is on the loose. How do you know this? It's a lot of conclusion jumping. It is a lot. To the thing. point where eventually all seven dwarves are riding on the backs of their of the deer. Uh-huh. Good night. I actually want want someone to give me a decent uh drawing of seven dwarves on seven war deer. <laughs> War stags. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be that would be a cool image. But um, I just thought Dopey, of it. Dopey's like trying to catch up on like a, like a little fawn or something. <laughs> Dopey would actually be on Bambi, and Bambi would be mad. <laughs> it's like get off me. Or better yet, Bambi is on flower. Not Bambi. Uh, <laughs> Dopey is on flower. <laughs> there we go. 
That's what I meant to say. Anyway, it's just they're sh- granted they're too far away to be able to get to, to help anyway. Yeah. But it's just like they make it back entirely too fast for people who have no way of knowing Snow White is actually in danger because for the most part, yes, the animals work with Snow White, but they don't appear to, and and they are more uh, anthropomorphized than most Uh animals we see in in animated films, but they almost appear to actually be able to understand what the animals are trying to tell them instead of man all these animals are acting crazy i wonder what's going on yeah i would agree with you because there's none of the dwarves actually knew she talked to animals yeah no one she never talks to animals in front of the dwarves she never did no she never so how do the dwarves even know the animals know anything about snow white yeah Oh, they must be here for Snow White. That's it. It's like okay, you're making like, a that's large an assumption. awfully large jump to conclusions. Granted, if you really are this jumpy mm-hmm. about and worried about Snow White, maybe, 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 considering you people are richer beyond anything anyone else in the kingdom with all the jewels that you already have in your storeroom, maybe you should hang out with Snow White for a couple days, especially since. After she eats this apple, you're going to be able to spend an entire year crying over her clear her glass coffin. Uh-huh. If you can do it then when you're that depressed, maybe you could have, I don't know, stayed around and took care of Snow White before she had a chance to and speak some sense into her to not talk to the that weird apple sense. woman. Very good points. Very good points. Granted, this is a nitpick. Yeah. This story has to happen this way. It's how it goes. Right. But and I would accept it far more if they weren't didn't immediately turn back. I would have appreciated more if we saw it go down and then instead of them immediately coming back, like have the witch kind of show back up like an, a couple uh, like an hour before the dwarves would get mm-hmm. home. And, and like she has to run away as she's hearing the dwarves singing their coming home song. The I ho, I ho, it, it's home from work we go. And that's when we see her. And they walk in, see Snow White in the shape she's in, and then they chase the queen. Yeah. That would have felt better mm. to me than, oh, we just got to the mine. Oh no, Snow White's in trouble. How do we know? Well, these animals just showed up. <laughs> Granite, magic. I get it. Mm-hmm. part of this is the paper thin story i get it i just wish it made more sense agreed anyway that's the end of my dislikes okay we need to rate this thing i think yes jacob why don't you rate this film for us uh, fine i had to say something because we were just being silent <laughs> and the audio people had no idea what's going on about. Uh, so I'm gonna give it a nine. Be like, it's it's one of those films where, like, if you're like an animation movie nut, animation or just a movie nut in general, be like, you need to watch this film. Be like, be like, it, it's definitely not to more, you know, quote unquote modern taste. But you know, at this point, I don't care. Be like, go watch the film. It's great. It's great. Wonderful animation for the, for its time period for what it did for the industry. It, heck it created the industry be like if it wasn't for snow white 
I think uh, one review, one uh, one person said, "Be like, we'd be living in a different time, a different, yeah. a different era, if this movie had never been made." Walt Disney never tried to do it, or just simply be like, "Oh, the people say it won't work," but this is Walt Disney. This this man did everything he ever thought of. But yeah, go watch this film. It is great. What number yeah. did you rate it? Nine. That's what I thought you said. <coughs> I'm giving it an 8.5. See what? It's not that it's bad. No. Of course. Don't get me wrong. It's a great film. But as great as it is, and this a lot of this is me having you know aged out of the demographic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, as beautiful as this is not one I kind of want to return to anytime soon. Fair. Um. And I don't really hold any nostalgia for it, apparently, since I didn't remember watching it as a kid, <laughs> as we found out earlier this episode. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, it's a good film. I enjoyed it. There's very little to actually complain about other than just the time, the, the, the fact that they had never done something like this before at this mm-hmm. at this uh, quality. So, and that leads to issues, obviously. Yeah. Um, but for what it is, it's a great film. It's a, a, a good, it's a, it's a great experiment. That's yeah. the thing you have to remember. This is technically an experimental film. It is. Agreed. And it was a successful experimental film, mm-hmm. but there are some things it's like, yeah, you can tell what it's pulling from, mm-hmm. what, what their experience is in. And I like that to some degree, but at the same time, it's like, that also rides on me weird in other areas. So, Fair. yeah, I'm giving it an 8.5. All right. Next week, mm-hmm. we're staying in the Disney camp in a yeah. sense, but going one studio over to Pixar. Luca! Yes. Our second uh, pandemic film. Yes. That... Uh, but the first of the ones that in first of the of the Pixar ones that we're actually doing a full review on that we reacted to. Yeah. Seriously, Disney. We got no, we didn't get turning red in theaters. We didn't get no. our first Pixar in theaters was Lightyear. Lightyear. That could have been left. That could have been that should have been turning red. Turning red would have been a better return to form. I agree. Anyway, we're gonna go into Luca. Uh so uh Silencio Bruno. <laughs> so join us next time for that uh in the meantime uh we're going to listen to some bumpers some intermissions uh hear other people talk for a while mm-hmm. uh when we get back uh we will talk about what we've been watching some news and uh some x-men and since uh this was a disney film we'll give it we'll let the uh we'll, we'll promote the great Disney lover of the, of the Culture Box Network with Retro Rewind. You're welcome, You're welcome Roy. <laughs> this podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest the Retro Rewind podcast. Every other week, join the Retro Rewind pod as they travel back 15 years or more along the entertainment space-time continuum in their mission to review movies and games. 
establishing what is still worth your time today and what isn't. Expect fun banter and trivial insights from Francisco, Paul, the master interrupter powers, and a rotating cast of guest hosts, all of which are out of time. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons, Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and Melanie Dubois. To get your name on the show plus, uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. So Jacob, I have a question for you, my friend. Yes. What have you been watching? Oh, what have I been watching? So when, uh, by the way, happy Easter for everybody. Yes, happy Easter. Uh, So I went over to Easter to my wonderful girlfriend's house and had Easter over there. And so we're sitting around and uh, having our bellies full and just trying to relax. And uh, someone says to me like, oh, we need to watch a movie. So I'm like, oh, okay. So it's like, Hulu, that sounds great. So there was this documentary that I heard about and I wanted to watch, uh, which is called, if my, doc- here we go, uh, Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields. Uh, it's on Hulu. It's a two-part documentary, and it is the basic, is the career of the world-famous actress Brooke Shields. And it goes from her early childhood to, you know, the woman is she is today and the struggles she had to go through and, uh, now, granted, I disagree with a, a few points they bring up, but overall, it is a good documentary, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, other than that, I have continued to watch Inuyasha on Netflix, mm-hmm. and uh, there might be a piece coming out some point because I'm just really getting inspired to do something Inuyasha-based. And uh, yeah, I'm continuing to watch that. They're continuing to build the cast. And I finally started to get back into Clone Wars. Ah. Yeah. I'm, um, Where'd you leave off? I'm in season five, but okay. m- m- middle of the road about season five. So you, you probably stopped where I originally did. Where's that? Uh, right after the. Uh... Oh, shoot. What is his name? He was in Rogue One and played by. Uh... Not yet. I'm not there yet. You're not to that one yet. Okay. No, I'm not there yet. I, I'm just going to say uh, right around that point is where it starts getting really good. Oh, okay. That's what I keep hearing. Are you watching it in just the episode order? Or are you following the episodes chronologically? I'm, you I'm, know there's a little difference. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. I'm I'm watching it as the way Disney Plus has it ordered. Okay. I'm just saying where Maul's story goes. Yes. At the end of that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I gotcha. Uh, and uh, if you are watching The Mandalorian and want to see some of the old Mandalorian history that a lot of times they keep referring to, mm. go watch The Clone Wars ah. and then Rebels. And then you'll understand everything about a certain uh, character voiced by Katie Sackle. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You know yeah. who I mean. I think so. Uh, so I discovered, I didn't really discover this, but it's a, it's a podcast. There again, I'm a true crime fan. I love learning more about why people do this little things to other people. Um, so Daylight NBC has a podcast. It's basically, they 
release a episode of Dateline on audio. So there's points where they'll we're being referring to something, but we can't see it mm-hmm. be doing the original source being uh, visual. So the episode that I turned tuned into was the Lacey Peterson, a new turn. That was interesting. Hmm. That was interesting. And another one would be the casual criminalist was another uh, podcast. I listened to very frequently. And uh, they did a three hour um, deep dive into Jeffrey Dahmer. That was hard to listen to. Let's just I imagine that. it was very hard to listen to. So yes, if you, if you like true crime, those are two podcasts you can uh, plug into and listen and learn more about true crime. So that is all I've been listening to and watching. So week before last, yes, a friend of mine added me to a community chat not really a community chat like on facebook where it's part of a facebook group and but there's a chat that's based around that you know what i mean yeah this was just a chat group that was made up a bunch of friends he was adding that they were talking about star trek because he's going all the way through star trek from the beginning because he's never watched star trek really he's going through it chronologically oh except he's decided he's going to catch up with the new stuff so we can keep up with the new stuff i get it but still fair and as quite natural with the popularity of Picard season three right now, mm-hmm. the among those who were both spark caught up and watching the show, they wanted to talk about it on Thursdays, uh. which kind of started getting on me. It's like, you know, you should catch up mm-hmm. because I left off in the middle of season two. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, okay, fine. I don't want to get behind, too far behind anyways. Mm-hmm. So, despite the fact at the time I had, I, I decided to rewatch season two of Picard. Of course, watch season three, watch uh, season four of Discovery, watch the last half of Prodigy season one, mm-hmm. and then of course Strange New World season one. Since all that's on my backlog, jeez, that's a that's a lot to watch. That's only like ten episodes a season. Okay, so I mean it's not bad, bad. Yeah, I started through my catch up. And as of last night, Mm -hmm. I finished season two of Picard. Okay. I can tell you why I fell off and that didn't change, but it felt better since I could, didn't have to sit on, think on it for two weeks like I was before. And that's why I got mad at it. Right. They include a whole thing about immigration. Oh yeah. We talked about that. We talked about that. Yes, we did. You understand why that annoyed me that they did. They are that yes. on the nose about a topic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I, it still annoyed me when I rewatched it, but I was able to get past and actually get to where the good meat of the story they were telling was. Yes. And so despite the fact that there is a very anti-conservative bent <laughs> to that season in parts, the story was actually very good. And actually by the end, I was very hooked on seeing where it was going. Oh, um, Especially since it it uh, did uh, comment on the eventual fate of one of my favorite characters in Star Trek, hmm. who has been in it since the beginning of Next Generation. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. 
And then today, I watched the first two episodes of season three of Picard, because mm. I might as well get caught up on what everyone's talking about before right. stuff gets spoiled. Right. Which some stuff has already gotten spoiled, unfortunately, but no, well. <laughs> uh, I'm going to geek out for a minute, if that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. There was a moment where they showed off who a character was that they had kind of been just had not really in the background, but only communicating through like a computer with a voice. So you couldn't tell who the character was. Yeah. And they actually show this character show up and go, ah, he's back. <laughs> it's like, it was one of those moments where I'm just sitting there going, you see me when we watched lower decks. Yeah, that, that, a that season. That's kind of what I was doing. <laughs> Because I'm going, <laughs> I, I, I can't even say it here because there are people who are probably listening to this who might be interested in watching Star Trek and I don't want to spoil it for them, but I will just say it was a very honorable appearance. <laughs> just tell me afterwards. You watch Next Generation? Yes. Okay. I watched a little bit of Generation. You've seen the four movies. Yes. So you know, you'll know who this character is. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. Anyway, they, it, th that story in just the couple, the, the two episodes I've seen has already been very interesting. It's a, a lot more interesting than season two was, even though I liked where season two went. Oh. Um, I'm very much more on like, it, it really feels more like it's pulling from continuity i got you instead of building it's still building on top of continuity because there's still sometimes they say oh well, you know it was that mission it's like yeah we never saw that mission mm -hmm. you're talking about it like i should know what it is because y'all know what it is but you just made this up for this episode mm -hmm. um apparently mama's still watching <laughs> i didn't realize this <laughs> mama you know who i'm talking about episode two a certain character who's been in who's been in two series and four movies five movies actually when he appeared as a character but not the character himself the character's uncle or great uncle who defended kirk anyway <laughs> now you know who i'm talking about because <laughs> you've Ooh. seen star trek six yes I've seen you know who defended kirk at the show trial we we talking later yeah <laughs> yes talk later because i'm talk now later. seeing look on your face i was like i think i know but i don't know <laughs> but anyway i'm enjoying that is what i'm trying to get at oh. um of course over easter did visit my uh, my parents on sunday we did watch a some more perry mason that was fun. Um, but that's pretty much what I've been watching in my catch up because it's either watch Picard or watch Car Ranger. <laughs> and while Car Ranger's been interesting, uh, I've got a little bit more time on that, it looks yes. like. So we'll see where that goes. Um, anyway. Continuing on, I actually I think that's about all I have been uh, watching, with one exception that we neither one of us have talked about yet. 
because hmm. we did do a reaction over the we weekend. We did actually the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I'm actually well, we haven't got to news yet. No, we haven't. I, I'm not. I'm not going to rain on your parade if that's in there. Yeah, but yeah, we did watch Super Mario yeah. Brothers. That reaction is out. Still need to put your album art that you sent me after I hit post. <laughs> <laughs> so I still need to do that. But uh, go listen to that episode. It was fun. And go watch that movie. I think we both can agree on that. I gotcha. Are you saying not to watch Super Mario Brothers movie? No, I would agree. Go watch the movie. Okay, okay. Just making sure. Sorry, I get distracted by something. Go figure. No. No. Okay. So, yeah, that's what I've been watching. So, uh, Jacob, uh, what do we have in the news? The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Thank you, Dealit. And going into news, uh, speaking of the Super Mario Bros. movie, uh, has been shattering box office records this weekend. Yeah. Or this past weekend. Domestically, it has been projected to bring over $204 million uh, during its first five, uh, first five days, first five days of the opening. Uh, it is estimated to bring in three, $377.5 million worldwide that weekend. Uh, which making it the biggest animated movie opening of all time, beating Frozen at $258 million record in 2009. Way to go, Mario, Luigi, Princess uh, Princess Peach, and Toad. And, of course, we cannot forget Bowser himself. Uh, and his possibly Academy Award winning song. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I, I know I know I shared it with the Facebook groups. Peaches, 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 peaches. Oh my gosh, that is so hilarious. So hilarious. And and people are like, what in the world? Go watch the movie. Go watch it. Go go show this movie some love in theaters. Go watch it. Um, so yes, going into the second bit of news, according to the dateline. The second trailer for the highly anticipated, uh, the highly anticipated film. It doesn't say what it is, but obviously I know exactly what it's talking about. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, uh, for its first 24 hours, its second trailer pulled in a astonishing 148.6 million views in the first 24 hours, and. Uh, Making probably one of the the highest highest viewed uh, trailers to ever come out for a Marvel film, or even like a trailer uh, trailer period mm -hmm. regarding a superhero flight. All right, so uh, going back to a movie that I know both of us watched as kids, I think like you watched Gremlins, right? Gremlins, yes, you watched Gremlins, right? Not till many years later. Uh, okay. Well, apparently, Gremlins is coming back. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because it's Gremlins. <laughs> it's Home Alone with puppets. <laughs> oh, it's so much more than puppets. <laughs> All right, so it's uh, besides, it's always after midnight. That is true. You Our water. 
I'm just saying these are just or don't feed them. These are just tribbles with faces uh, that lose their fur, which is not something I want to say. It's weird, but it's good ones. Uh, all right, so it's given to the world of magic and uh, mythology when Gremlins, the secret of Mogwai, the secret of the Mogwai, premieres on Tuesday, May 23rd on Max, which formerly was uh, HBO Max. HBO Max. For some reason, they're, they changed the they're, Max. They're changing it because of the Discovery thing, and they're trying to make it more not HBO-centric. Oh, uh, okay. Makes I think sense. is the thought process. Makes sense. Uh, the premiere date announced in the first uh, teaser trailer with a highly, highly, highly anticipated uh, animated family feature, animated adventure, was revealed today, a couple of days ago, exclusively during the Warner Bros. Discovery unveiling of the rebranding of Max streaming service on the Warner Brothers lot in Los Angeles. So another one that I know that I'm excited about, you're excited about, obviously, uh, Star Wars Celebration in London offered up a heaping bounty for fans on the hunt for exciting new animated content set in the Lucas Lucasfilm universe. Panels feature filmmakers uh, for the upcoming film, the the Bad Batch, uh, Star Wars Vision, uh, Star Wars Vision Volume Two, Star Wars Clone Wars, and offering more updates. Uh, new trailers for the Visions Part Two has uh, been released. Um, uh, let's see, Star Wars uh, Young Jedi Adventures and orders for Star Wars Tales of the Jedi Season 2 and The Bad Batch Season 3 finale. You know the bad part about the fact they're doing a Young Jedi Adventures is? Mm-hmm. Those have to be before Revenge of the Sith. Right. Because we all know what happened there. Younglings get kind of... Let's just say that's where the young Jedi adventures are going to end. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. And uh, I did notice something else coming out from Max. Oh. Yeah. And it also kind of involves a character called Max. Going Ma- back to Max our childhood head- again. Max Headroom? No. Not that I'd watched Max something, Headroom as a Something kid. about Looney Tunes. Oh, you mean Tiny Tunes. They're tiny, they're toony, they're, they're all, all a little loony. loony. And in this cartoony, we're invading your TV. Or in this case, it's a reboot called Tiny to- or Tiny Toons Luniversity. As long as they don't get political like Animaniacs did, oh, I'm fine with it. Oh, brother. That, that to me, kind of worries me, but it's, you know, anyway. Well, I mean, this is at least... I mean, it's going to be more of an in-house thing since that one was tied to Hulu before the Disney kind of took com- nearly complete control over that it and true. all that stuff. All right, so to quote uh, HBO Max's uh, Twitter, uh, going back probably three, three days ago, uh, your favorite tunes are back for more fun. Hashtag Tiny Tunes Luniversity is coming soon to Max. Hashtag Stream on Max. I need to find a copy of How I Spent My Summer Vacation. So we need to review that. We do. Especially since Disney is involved in that one. Really? Yeah. 
okay. Ham Hampton and his family. Yeah. Along with Plucky, who invited himself along. Of course. They essentially are going to Disney World. Oh, yeah. I remember. I remember and they episode. ride the monorail and then go home. Because they want to leave something for next time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that is all I have for input stuff. Unless you have something else. Well, I, I wanted to double. I wanted to circle back a bit. Because uh, did you mention what the worldwide total for Super Mario Brothers movie was? Uh, no, because there again, this information is probably like two days old. Okay, as of April 13th, 2023, the Super Mario Brothers movie has grossed 260.8 million in the US yes. and Canada and 248.4 million in other territories for a worldwide total. This is the gross, not the net, of 509. Point two million. Bear in mind, this film still hasn't released in Japan yet. Yeah. And it's in the first week of a release? Yes. Yeah. That's insane. It's amazing what happens when you just make a fun movie that people want to see and you're not trying to preach to them. Yeah. I'm no amazing, isn't it? Yeah. You made a fun movie people wanted to see. You didn't subvert expectations. Exactly. I'm not saying I want, I don't want any movie to ever subvert expectations. It just shouldn't be the norm. Otherwise, what are you subverting? Exactly. Anyway. So my, my thought on uh, Tiny Toon University, all I'm saying is Max, HBO Max, please, for the love of Jesus Christ, I plead with you, please do not pull a Daphne. I mean, a, a Velma? A Velma, that's what I meant to say. A Velma. Or a Daphne, for that matter, because I didn't like her in that either. Yeah, don't do that. To, don't do this to the show, please. Because you already... Oh, I like how you hate it so much, you've already wiped the name of it from your mind. I did. It's like, it's like oh, yeah, it's Daphne. No, it's, no, it's Velma. Velma. It's Velma. Because it's Mindy Kaling, and she thinks that's who she is, is Velma. Yeah, no. <sighs> no, that is not Velma. I am sorry. Yes, you know that's getting a second season, right? I know it's gonna get and it's butchered. Gonna, yeah, because the shock value's gone. Yeah, it's gonna go. Oh yeah, that season. There's not even gonna be hate watches. No, it's gonna be like, oh, it's on. Click. Oh, <laughs> no care. Oh, sec second season of Velma's out. That can't be good. Oh look, Mandalorian's on. <laughs> Grogu and friends. We'll go watch that instead. Some Tiny Toons. That's even better. <laughs> we don't even have to leave the streaming service for this. There was me like, but wait, be like, this was a great show, wasn't it? It's like, no, ah, no, you didn't understand any of the characters at all, at all. Either, either, or just don't pull a, a Velma, please. Yeah, that's just one of those weird things that that movie made that that movie that TV show might have fared better. Yeah, if they just changed the name of the characters and didn't make it so obvious that they were. Uh, the mystery Inc. crew, but it was basically the mystery Inc. crew that may have actually got some views because people are like, Oh, this is interesting. These are obviously supposed to be these characters, but you know, they're not those characters because yeah. this is more of an original story instead. Yeah. They tried to say, Oh yeah, these are these characters in this cool. Aren't we funny? Yeah. Aren't we funny? No, you're not. Funny. You're not funny. You're, you're not terrible. funny at all. You're, 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 you're you don't you're, even have the gall to, to thinly hide this behind, uh, parody 
That's oh, all I would. Yeah, it would have fared better if they'd actually made it a parody, not a in-universe mocking of it. Yeah. Because they weren't funny. Anyway, yeah, it wasn't funny. It was it, it was funny like getting your teeth pulled. Either way, yes. we, we've bashed that show yes, probably enough. We have. So we got some X-Men to talk about. We do. Previously on X-Men. Sulky, over-bulky, kinda hulky superhero Octopistic and electrically transistored superhero An exotically erotic and aquatic superhero The Marvel superheroes have arrived I'm just gonna say before we continue this We've been listening to that for what? Eight episodes? Yep. Nine episodes total now? I know for a fact The reason... Namor is exotically erotic is a slight change in how words are used between yes. the 1960s when that opening yes. started and now it is. But I still hear it go, he kind of because he is exotic and he is, for the most part, in most cases, just wearing a Speedo, yeah. basically. So it's kind of an erotic thing, but it's still very... I wish they'd use different words. That's all I'm trying yes, to get at. I agree. <laughs> His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. You know, I know they say you can't hear pictures, but that shot of Magneto from the opening with the, where he's holding his fist up and you see the red circles coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Give me a still shot of that. I'll you know, always hear that bass on don't, 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 don't <laughs> before the song ends. I'm yeah. just sorry. That, that That's just, I will hear that even though it, nothing's play. Yeah. If I see that image. Fair. Sorry. Anyway, we're only reviewing one episode today. Except Jacob watched two. I did by mistake. It happens. Uh, and the reason is, is because the next two episodes are two-parter. Yes. In fact, I just looked at the list of the upcoming episodes. We have a lot of multi-parter episodes coming up. Of course. So today we're reviewing a very interesting episode. Mojo Vision. Vision. Which first aired on February 5th, 1994. Directed by Larry Houston and written by Brooks Wetchell. On a world ruled by television, an alien named Mojo is master. When he abducts the X-Men and forces them to be action heroes in his shows, he may have to deal with more than he bargained for when Mojo's original action hero sabotages him. Meanwhile, Xavier and Magneto are still slowly making their way through the Savage Lands. Oh my gosh. 
We'll talk about that in a minute. Yes, we will. Guest cast for this. We've got Cynthia Bellevue as Spiral, Robert Boxsteel as Sauron, and Dr. Carl Lycos. Hmm. David Hemblin as Magneto. I am Magneto, Master of Magnet. <laughs> John Neville as Major Domo. Peter Wildman as Mojo. Oh, and Rod Wilson as Longshot. Trivia for this episode. This is also this is obviously the debut of Longshot, Mojo, Spiral, Shauna the She-Devil, and Sauron in the Savage Lands. Mm -hmm. This is not the same Sauron who uh, lives in Mordor in a giant tower with a giant eye who uh, forged the One Ring to rule them all. Hmm. You, you know. Yeah. Three rings for the elven kings under the sky. Seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Nine rings for the eight race of men doomed to die. One ring for the Dark Lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. No, this is not him! It's a pterodactyl man! <laughs> I'm actually I was wondering where you are going I love that. that I actually said the entire poem from memory! Thank you. Fair points. <laughs> also, I, I forgot to mention the Major Domo debuts here. Mm -hmm. also. Cameos. Yes. We have Psylocke and yes. Super Adaptoid, which was the all green guy punching a wall during the Longshot promo video. Oh. We have a cameo from Dazzler as one of Longshot's makeup artists. In the comics, she was at one time a love interest of his. Mm-hmm. We also get a scroll and awesome android are seen in the crowd and Mojo World. Mm -hmm. The clerk in the electronics store has a name badge with Calamari on it. Joseph Calamari was an executive producer on the series. Really? Yes. When the X-Men are sent to Mojo World in the crowd, there are several creatures with human-like faces. Comics writer Scott Lobel looks like the werewolf creature. The blue and gray armored aliens look like artist Mark Silvestri, and the big-eared guy looks like editor Tom DeFalco. Huh. Jack Kirby is also in the crowd, as he was the original artist for the X-Men starting in 1963. True. King Kirby. Yes. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on I this was, episode? I was this, laughing. This is a goofy episode. Oh, my gosh. I was laughing my butt off, because I remember watching this as a kid. And it's like, okay, this is funny. As an adult, it's hilarious. Yeah. And it comes right to smack out of nowhere. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Mojo. It's like, oh my God, what's, what's going on? Because you get the main opening, and then it's like, oh, here's another opening for another show. Yeah. It's like, what the it's fudge? Like, what? And it's like, oh, I know. Let's get the X-Men. You know, like those space aliens trying to get the Looney Tunes in Space Jam. It's the same plot. <laughs> it's the same it's plot. It's the same stinking plot. <laughs> And they even then those, oh, we're, now we're just going to show the opening a third time with the opening sequence. Great, I like the opening song. But you see the opening sequence again while they're talking over it says, we could get the X-Men. They do all these great adventures. Like It's like they're watching a television show. It's like, oh, my words, you people have seen Deadpool from the future, haven't you? And you've decided to break the fourth wall without breaking the fourth wall. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, and so we get like three television shows made with the X-Men. Yes. You get, was it uh, Mutants in Miami? Was the, was the, the one with Storm and Cyclops? Um, I don't remember what the second one was, but the one with Wolverine and Jean Grey was I Dream, Dream of Jean. Jean. <laughs> it's like, like, I know what you're referencing and I don't care. <laughs> I can't remember what the second one was, other than it was uh, Beast and Rogue. Rogue, Rogue, Star. Rogue, yeah, Rogue, Rogue Star. Rogue Star. And I love how they actually had credits. Hit doc, uh, Dr. Hank McCoy as the Beast. Rogue as Rogue. <laughs> All the kids will cut off their left hand to get a pair of Rogue's gloves. <laughs> That's what he said! <laughs> it's like... I know what you mean, but oh my gosh, <laughs> they had to have been the people writing this episode must have said, can we just sit in on one of your Heim uh, Saban? Cause Saban made the same people who did power yes. Rangers, but I was like, can we sit in on one of your uh, meetings and just make fun of y'all for an episode of X-Men? Sure. Go right ahead. <laughs> Makes you wonder who's who. Who's oh mocking? Gosh. I know Mojo is actually a character from the comics. Yes, he is. But I suspect that this version is a lot more exaggerated. Maybe. <laughs> oh my gosh! But Peter Peter Wildman's performance as Mojo is absolutely. Uh, he is like he he reminds me of another another voice actor, but I just like a Wildcat Goldfrit or whatever they. Oh, Bobcat Wolf. No, Bobcat. I know who you're talking about. Yes. I, I'm drawing a blank. Be like, he, wait, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But uh, he sounded like that that uh, comedian. But that's what I kept thinking. It was like, oh, it's this, this guy. He was on uh, Hercules. Yeah, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Yeah. Bobcat was his nickname, obviously, not his real name. Yes. But um, but I just, I mean, like, I'm, it's like, oh, my gosh. What is going to come out of this character's mouth again? <laughs> And it's just absolutely hysterical. Definitely how they, they team up the X-Men in every one of them, which is oh, hysterical. Yes. And then it's just like they all lose. And then <laughs> Longshot just decimates the programming. Well, Gene interferes Gene with interferes it. And Longshot just right. dismantles but, it. But strangely, the craziest thing in this entire episode is how the person in the control room transports characters between dimensions she goes in and does a ballet dance and somehow that transports people yes it's like what are you doing and why is this working <laughs> he's like forgot about it at the end it's like it's like what i, I saw her doing this weird dance going what is, oh yeah that's what she does yeah this is, looks weird especially since she has six arms uh-huh she'd make a person from mortal Kombat very happy yes also, she doesn't really care what's going on. <laughs> yeah, then be like, you know, kind of to wrap this episode up in a nice little, you know, goofy bun. Yeah. It's more the X-Men get away, long shot, you know, destroys everything in a, in a well, way. I liked what, what long shot said as to why he was uh, uh, making a mess. It's like, I'm going to take out the X-Men so I can have their time slot back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. And so long shot does what he does. And of course, Mojo's be like, oh, baby, sweetie, hoodie, whatever. And uh, just like trying to butter him up, be like, yeah, we're getting you a new show and blah, 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 blah. And then the weirdest transition ever I've seen in this show yet. 
it's where they're talking about like oh here's another show it goes right into the savage land they said oh look are we watching the jungle channel and it's like now we're at what had i am convinced at this point yeah that the magneto xavier story throughout this whole thing they animated an, a whole episode of this decided it wouldn't work as an episode but still had to explain what magneto and xavier are doing all season yes. and just spread that episode all the way out through the season uh-huh because it, uh, it never fits what's going on in an episode yes and mm -hmm. here it's like they had to find a stupid joke to make it go yes. it's like oh we're watching the jungle channel and it's like so xavier uh, so, so Magneto, that was your castle when you were here. I go, did we miss something? You have fought, you keep getting captured in every single one of these segments, Xavier Magneto, and always And the next time you show up, you're sneaking through the forest again like you just got out of whatever it was. Like, Okay, and now you're being chased by Pterodactyl Man. Sauron. Sauron. I really hope this. I, I'm assuming this must be get tied up in reunion. Probably it, it with does. a name like reunion, it kind of feels like it must. It does. But it's like uh, so far, this has been like the weirdest segments because they're always like a two or three, a two minute segment in the middle of this other story that has nothing to do with Magneto or Xavier. But anyway, yes. Thanks a lot, Morph. Oh my gosh. Anyway, wait until the next episode. Yeah, so we've already kind of uh, mentioned it, but our next episodes of X-Men that we're covering is the season two finale. A uh, look at the right ones. Reunion parts one and two. So join us for that. And that's the last of the short seasons. Uh huh. Because season three is long. It's 19 episodes. Jeez. Oh, great. And we get to go back to the Savage Land. <laughs> Joy. Oh, look, there's Longshot. Now that I'm recognizing character names, I'm looking back through these uh, episode titles going, oh, this is all happening. Great. I think there's a Mojo Christmas back one back in here, too. Oh, my gosh. I can imagine. <laughs> I'm looking for it. I know I remember seeing a Christmas episode like near the end. uh oh no, i'm sorry it wasn't mojo it was morlock hmm. have yourself a morlock little christmas in season four in the middle of bad movie month is when that's gonna line up oh my god anyway uh i think that's gonna be it for us so join us next we, we are we kind of told y'all what's coming up join us next week for that mm -hmm. you got anything to add before we uh finish this up for an evening uh no this has been this has been a fun little episode to get into and i know i've already watched part one of reunion but yeah this this was fun i'm sorry but every time i hear reunion i think back to final fantasy 7 advent <laughs> children complete oh when he God. says my reunion i bet you're dying to watch good to see you cloud <laughs> A lot of people have no idea what we're talking about. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. 
and his letterboxed at Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell, with a single L. Jiminy Crickets. Oh, boy.